Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Well, I'm so very excited to share this word with you this morning because uh, <clears throat> this is the final in a series of Shake, Rattle and Roll. And, uh, and uh, Mr. Kelsey got to talk about shaking and Dr. Robbie Sonderegger last week got to talk about rattling and uh, I get to talk about rolling. And uh, really this is about rolling off our lives, burdens and challenges and difficulties that we have had uh, trouble with that have kept us from our best life, kept us from moving forward, kept us in our past. And as I come into this, uh, this subject, I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture out of Ezekiel. And uh, one of the things that uh, you will always find uh, with me preaching or any of the guys preaching here is that we will base it on Scripture and use Scripture a lot. And there's a reason for that because we're called to preach the Word, not just our own thinking or our own thoughts about things. But the Bible has more power in it than any human words possible. And so once you start ministering the Word of God, you're going to find that people bear fruit in their lives and it has a transforming effect inside of it. In Ezekiel 47, the same prophet, he speaks about a temple and he speaks about a river. He speaks about trees and he speaks about fishermen. And those four qualities uh, are something that I would try to create a church around, that every one of our church has the temple of worship and sacrifice and teaching, and then it has a river, the flow of the Holy Spirit, then it has trees, people who are feeding on the Word of God and reproducing themselves, then it has fishermen uh, fishing in this river, which is bringing in the great catches of fish that are attracted People are attracted to the flow of the Holy Spirit. You never want to be embarrassed about the flow of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I find that generally people who don't go to church, they have no problem with the moving of the Spirit. It's the people who brought them who are feeling all kind of nervy about, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, gee. And actually, it's kind of refreshing. These two girls who came to Christ here last night, as soon as they said to us, as soon as they walked in, they could feel the presence of God in this place. And you know, I've been, I've been in worship services for, for the last 42 years. And still, I'm standing here this morning singing, bless the Lord, feeling goosebumps all over, thinking, oh, this is amazing, being in the presence of God. There's something you will never tire of for all eternity. And so worship, lifting hands, glorifying God, feeling that flow of the river of the Holy Spirit is something you never want to shut down in your own life or in anybody else's. So in Ezekiel 37, this rather long passage I'm going to read is so that we get a a foundation for what I want to talk about uh, in terms of healing a broken spirit, about rolling off our life things that have wounded us. So in Ezekiel 37 verse 1, he says, The Lord took a hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around the bones and covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. He couldn't quite rise to that level of faith. He said, golly, looking at a pile of bones becoming living people. I'm not sure, Lord, but you know. 
Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. When I saw the series titles for this, uh, and we spent a lot of time at the beginning of certain seasons of the year, praying about what we're gonna speak about and bring into our, into our congregation and therefore into our whole movement. And, uh, and so then we, we think about what we wanna share and then we kind of leave it with the media department to think up nifty titles. And, uh, and so they come back to us with options and we said, yeah, the shake, rattle and roll sounds good. And when I saw that word rattle, I thought of this passage where, where Ezekiel is prophesying such good things to dry bones. This is, this is so God. I mean, he's saying to dry bones, you will live again and you will stand up and you'll have muscles again and skin and breath is gonna come upon you. What a message of hope when you're feeling like just a pile of old bones. And, uh, and, and, and then as soon as he began to speak though, there was a rattling noise. And I've always found that once God starts to move, people get rattled and uh, get all rattly. Oh, because he does things sometimes in quite an undignified way. But uh, that needs to happen so that we, we get over our egos. And uh, it's, it's like if you want your eyes healed. Sure I do, but please don't do it with the spitting in the ground thing and the mud on my eye. I'd like a more dignified healing. Well, the fact is God just does the things the way He does them and you gotta take it because that's where the miracle is. And uh, anyway, people got rattled and the bones came together. Uh, the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these slain so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and the breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. So they moved from being scattered bones, going nowhere, disorganized, dismembered, dead, they went from that position to becoming an army of men and women ready for battle, ready to fight, fully healthy. The power of the Word of God should never be underestimated. When we hear the Word, it'll transform our lives from being dead people to living people, from being defeated people to being a victorious army. The power of this Word coming into our lives is absolutely transformational. And that's why we will spend time in it all the time. The first thing I wanna just refer to here is that in verse nine, it says, breathe into these slain, these people who've been slain. The Hebrew word for that is harag. It means to smite with deadly intent, to destroy out of hand, to kill, murder, put to death to make slaughter, to slay. So these people had not just kind of fallen over sick. Something had come into their world to slay them. You and I have an enemy 
that really wants to destroy our world. Not just our world, but us ourselves. And we have a God on, in heaven who's wanting to save us, but we also have an enemy that wants to destroy us. And so there is this war for the souls of men and women all around the world. And I sometimes feel like there's such a few of us who have actually entered into the war. I'm in a war for souls. I'm in a war to build a church. And it is a battle. There's no doubt. Every day facing all kinds of challenges that come from every angle. And every one of us are going to find that if you, if you engage in the war, you're going to be actually in a place where you'll be criticized from this angle. You'll find yourself having mood changes from this angle. There'll be challenges in your personal world, in your public world, in your relational world, in your circumstantial world, all kinds of things all the time. And that battle is something that you and I have to gear up for and say, you know what? I'm just going to settle in, put the harness on, sit on my war horse, and here we go, baby. We're, because there's no other place that you can actually live. Sometimes I'm quite glad for the, the critics because they certainly draw a line in the sand. And they say, like, well, you're going to stand for something or not. You're going to take the heat or not. Because being a Christian actually isn't just a popular notion. It isn't something that is kind of comfortable and Disneylandish. It is, it is a challenging call. And, and you have got to make a big decision. I'm not going to collapse when temptation comes. I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross. I'm going to bear the load and take the, take the burdens that come on my, my way and do up my top button again. And, and I'm going to actually make sure that I am not just going to start the Christian life. I'm going to finish it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So on the, on, on the road to that finishing line, there are plenty of battles in which the enemy would like to slay you. And sometimes all of us will sustain wounds in the battle. It's inevitable. You're going to find yourself taking a hit and recovery is really important. So uh, a number of years ago, I wrote this book called Healing the Wounded Spirit. And uh, it's not really the kind of book I would think to write. It's like, I'd like to write a book about faith or, you know, overcoming or building the church or healing the wounded spirit. That's that kind of empathetic crowd. And, uh, you know, the people whose head goes on the side and they talk in that lovely tone, how are you? And uh, you feel like spilling everything. I just do not like meeting those people. I, go, I stay away in case I say something, you know, like, because once it starts, boy, I just, but you know, it's like, okay, so, uh, Healing the wounded spirit, and I'd been through a little uh, oh, big moment in my life where I kind of needed that. And so it was like a catharsis to write this book. And then once I uh, printed it, it became like, to my chagrin, one of the best sellers, amen, that I'd ever written. And it was like God said, I want you to write this book about that. And I, I think it became a bestseller because it's so thin. And uh, People think, oh, yeah, they go, oh, that one looks easy. And uh, yeah, what's it about? Oh, that'll do. And uh, it's, it, but the thing is, uh, people like Joyce Meyer uh, got a hold of like thousands of copies, sometimes 10,000, just gave it away because she read it and she found that it uh, seemed to help. And, and I think that uh, when, when you and I have been damaged or wounded in some way, we need to find a way to roll that off our lives.
so that we can cast our burden on the Lord. And it's really important that we understand what the problem is and then bring ourselves into the answer. And uh, Isaiah 1 verse 5 talks about the condition of people in general. And he's saying the whole head is sick, the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. And I've met people like that that just got sores all the way through their inner man and they're feeling sore and they haven't healed. And I would like to think that right here in this meeting, some miracles will happen. Not necessarily physical miracles, that's always awesome, but I'm talking about healing that will come to people's wounds and they need to be able to let them go and move on into another day. So one of the most serious challenges that happens to us is when we get a broken spirit. And a broken spirit, this is the first condition, I'm gonna talk about four conditions of a, of a wounded spirit. The, a broken spirit happens when we have disappointment come in our lives. And disappointment's very hard to deal with. We can get disappointed with other believers because we expected better of them. We can get disappointed with God because He didn't answer a prayer that we prayed. We get disappointed with ourselves, which is one of the worst there is. But once your spirit is broken and your trust is breached in that way, motivation starts to die on the inside because your spirit is the seat of motivation. All your get up and go, your will to live is deep down in your spirit. It's not so much a matter of the heart or the mind, it's your spirit and you have a three-part being. You have a body and a soul and a spirit. Your body is going to be saved. I mean, the Bible talks about one day you're gonna get saved and that's your body. It says we are being saved. That's our soul, our inner man, our mind, emotions, heart. And then it says you have been saved and that's our spirit, that part of us that's been born again. But even that part can sustain wounding and damage, especially if we have put our trust in God over a matter and then we found that it didn't work. Now for some, some of those situations, it's, it's like resolvable. It's still a possibility. But for some people it's not, it's, it's finished. The person died or the divorce happened or it, it just, it's, it's scrambled eggs. You can't get the eggs back again. And so we've got a situation there where somehow we, we, we prayed, we thought, and we, we don't quite know what to do with that. We don't know how to handle those moments of disappointment. Everyone in this room is gonna have a faith crash one day where you're believing for something and uh, you've tried blackmailing God. If you don't, then I will. You've threatened, uh, you, you've done everything. You better come through God and come on God, what's wrong with you? Don't you care? And, and we, every, it's through Scripture where people think God is ignoring them. Even Jesus on the cross said, Father, why have you forsaken him? There are moments in every person's life where there's gonna be this disconnect and we, we can't reconcile what's happening in our world with what we believe. And that disappointment can really affect our, our spirit and that motivation 
our spirit is also the place where we know God. And that's in a deeply subconscious level. And sometimes that knowing that we have about God surfaces into our mind and we, we can articulate what we know we know we know. But generally that knowing is, is something that can't be put into language. It's a taste, it's a feeling on the inside of us that connects us with eternity. And that security is only found in a whole spirit. But if our spirit gets damaged and we get insecure down there, we get a little unstable, then that Word of God has got to come again to make us whole on the inside. So in Proverbs 13, verse 12, the writer says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's talking about disappointment. And over in Exodus 6, 9, there's an example of it in Scripture where it says, So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they didn't heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Now here's the thing. Moses had gotten a word from God. He had said, we are going to get set free. I know we've been around Egypt for 400 years, but now God has come to speak to me and He's told me that He's going to set us free. What happened was that He was for 40 years a shepherd in, in a desert and He'd forgotten even how to speak properly. He could hardly speak because He just had sheep all around Him. One day He saw a bush burning, but the bush didn't burn. It was on fire, but it didn't burn away. And He's watching it and watching it. And he walked over to it eventually. Then the bush spoke to him. It says, Moses. So this is weird. A burning bush, it doesn't burn away and it talks. But what is weirder is that Moses talked back. He said, hello. <laughs> and the bush said, Moses, now's the time for you to go down and deliver Israel out of Egypt. You're gonna, it's time to go. He says, who are you? He says, I am who I am. Yeah, but that doesn't really answer my question. Who are you? I am who I am. Wow. Is that God? Yes. It's spelled Y-H-W-H. It's, you can't really say it. It's Yahweh. Because Y-H-W-H are no uh, breathe words. They're not consonants. That's why we've made it consonants, like Yahweh. And so, because we don't want to appear weird when we talk about Yahweh. And uh, <laughs> so we got Yahweh. And now he says... To him, go down, tell the people that are going to get set free. He says, well, that's, that's fine, but why would they believe me? He says, look, I'll give you a couple of moves. He says, put your, put your hand in your chest. Yeah, okay. Go, ah! It turned leprosy. He's got, he's got leprosy on his hand. He says, well, what do you do? He says, stick it in again. Puts it in, comes out whole. He says, whoa, that's amazing. Throw the stick on the ground. Stick comes a snake. Pick it up. Well, stick again. He says, whoa, that's amazing. Okay, so he goes down and he tells the elders, we're out of here. They say, why would we believe you? He says, what about that? Huh? Check this out. Sticks and hands. We're good. They go, whoa! Who told you? All bush. And you know, like, that's so, you know, whoa, whoever, whatever, you got the move, so let's, let's go down to the king for... He says, King Pharaoh, let the people go. Why would I let three million slaves go who are building my great big cities? He says, because of this. <laughs> and this, see? The king yawns. He goes, oh, man, we got that. We've been having those tricks all the time here. Look, look at these guys can do that. So he said, what are you people talking about going three days into the wilderness and you're going to worship? Huh? You're lazy. You're sitting around doing nothing. Half the amount of straw that these people get and double the amount of bricks we get off them and whip them harder. 
So instead of deliverance, they got complete defeat. And they were wounded in their spirit. And then Moses says, God, you tricked me. He went back to God. He said, no, no, you got to learn how to serve me. This is, this is how we, we go through processes. The problem gets worse so that I can really show the big power stuff. And uh, we'll get beyond these moves and we'll get into the real heavy duty stuff soon. Amen. You're going to see my big arm out in a minute. Yeah, he says, yeah, but God, I'm the ham and the sandwich. This is really hurting. You know, it's like, he says, don't worry about it. Go back and tell them we're going to get set free. So he goes back. He says, we're out of here, but I'll read it again. Exodus 6 verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Now, here's the thing. People with a disappointed spirit, a wounded spirit, hate hearing good news. It's not that they disbelieve or that they are acting. It just hurts because they prefer cynicism as a cover. It's way safer in there to not get your hopes up because emotional collapse hurts. It wounds us on the inside. And I don't know if I can cope with any more of that. So I'm just not going to get my hopes up. So when you tell me, yeah, God's good and everything's going all right, yeah, well, whatever, you know, maybe. Well, I'm not going to go there. I'm just, you know, everything's going to work out for you. Richard gets up here, God's got a plan for your life. Yeah, well, maybe some people, but not me. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, no, no, not me. Yeah, you don't know all the stuff. Because to get out into a positive thing is kind of painful to the emotional structure when you've been wounded in your spirit. That's an unhealed spirit. And to believe and to have faith means getting healed down on the inside by the Word of God coming into our soul and helping us rise. Now, don't think that this is a one-off time. This is going to happen time and time again throughout your life. Sorry to tell you that. But you got to know how to access healing processes in your life so that you remain a healthy and whole person. And as you go through those processes, you not only develop healing, but a stronger heart. And it's because of a weak heart that we collapse in our faith when something doesn't quite go our way. So that is why Paul is praying all the time. I pray that you are strengthened with all might in your inner man and that you are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and that you have a strong heart that isn't just going to give up every time a little failure happens, a little defeat happens in the walk. Things we don't understand, mysteries where we, we can't decipher why this happened and what happened here. Hebrews 4.2 speaks about this kind of situation. It says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. He's talking about the Israelites when Moses spoke to them. They couldn't believe. It was just a painful exercise because they were still in anguish and grief of spirit. Proverbs 15 verse 13 says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. If we don't get beyond our sorrow, we will find we've got fatigue in our lives. Our spirit is broken, our motivation, our vision. Sometimes we look at people with vision and and motivation. How are they like that? Where do they get all that energy from? It's from a whole spirit on the inside. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Here's the thing. The funny deal is, is that when people are a little disappointed and defeated in their spirit, they don't feel like turning up at joyful places. 
But joyful places are the best place to get your spirit healed. Because a merry heart does you good like a medicine. And when you come in here and we're all singing and clapping, that'll do you good. Instead of just standing off on the side with a curled lip, you ought to get into it and start to rejoice. But if I start to get happy, nobody would have sympathy for me. Exactly. <laughs> nobody would be hanging around saying, what's the matter? Exactly. Amen. We'd have to stand up and be healed. But joyfulness is one of the best medicines you can ever have in your life. I haven't got time here this morning, but I got screeds of notes on people who've laughed their way to better health. The doctors of mirth, the doctors of laughter, the comedy doctors who go around wards making people laugh because it's going to help them release all the chemicals on the inside of your body that makes you healthy. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? I've read plenty of stories of surgeons who will not operate on a person who has no will to live, especially if they got a terminal disease because they just, they want to give up. They want to go. But when your spirit is strong, it will sustain you through your sickness. You'll soldier on. But when your spirit is broken, there doesn't seem to be any point. And so God says, I want to bring healing into that area. Once our spirit has, has become damaged, we become short. Everybody's heard of people who are short in spirit. They got a short fuse. People with a long fuse, they can burn with aggravation and agitation. They still keep their temperament, still stay cool. Some people have got a very short fuse for a very innocent approach. You say, hey, how are you? You say, well, what's it to you? <laughs> I, I was just asking how you are. I mean, it's, you, we've all met people like that. And you don't understand why are they so short? It's like got a fuse. That, and that's when patience, patience is spirit, long suffering, the ability to bear a load over a long period of time. That's strength of spirit. But when we've got wounds in there, we can't take any pressure on that thing. And so to get a healthy soul and a healthy spirit from the Word of God, worship and the power of the Spirit becomes really important. I feel like this is such an important area because we live in a world that has uh, a lot of divorce in it. And, you know, I'm not wanting to uh, bring any guilt or, or, or any hurt or wounds on anybody who's been through that, you know, that experience in life. But in the process, there's certainly going to be a, a breach of trust. Most, most breakdowns of that nature in our life happen because trust got bridged or in a business partnership. And, and healing needs to happen so that we can move on into any new relationship with success. So we don't take the wound of the past into the, into the future. And, and so when trust has been breached, we've got to be able to find ourselves with healing deep down in our spirit. Malachi 2.15, the Lord says, Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says he hates divorce. It covers one's garment with violence. Take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Divorce isn't just about dividing up the house. It's about when our spirit is divided up because we become one and there's got to be a healing from God for us in that situation. And there is. He's, he forgives, He heals, and He makes whole again. And once trust is broken, though, that reservoir of our spirit to trust again 
has been broken and we need to recover it. Uh, there's a, uh, a passage in Hebrews that says uh, we need to create straight paths for ourselves. Uh, you probably got it here. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So this, this is saying like when you've had this breach of trust, actually create a, a closer discipline around your life. Straight paths, not crooked ones. Don't, don't stay on deceptive paths or any of those things where you can create further damage. But like when you've broken a leg, the thing is to put a splint around it and a cast so it has less mobility. But while it is in that stricter uh, position, it's going to heal straight. The worst thing is not to put anything around it and to heal bent, to heal with a, a crooked way in us and to get think that we're going to survive living like that. God has ways of making us whole again. And that's putting straight paths in our feet. Now, the second uh, condition, oh, golly, I got so much to say in so little time. Cut is to be cut in spirit. Uh, and I'll go, I'll go a little quicker. When you're cut in your spirit, not broken, but cut, you're going to find you bleed black, angry thoughts into your mind. And they can be quite depressing. You want to get revenge. You're going to, you're upset with that person. They, you fixate on them throughout the day. And Psalm 57 verse four says, my soul is among lions. I lie among the men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Psalm 64, three, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words. Uh, and so this is saying they sharpen their tongues. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you're lying in bed at night. Somebody did you wrong. So you got your tongue out and you got the wheel going and you're sharpening that tongue. Get all the sparks are flying. You say, when they see that, when I say that, and then I'm going to say that. Then if they say that, then I'm going to say that. Oh, I'm going to get them. Oh. And then you get the other side going. Yeah. And if they bring their friend along, and if he says that, then I'm going to say that. When we go to see the marriage council, I'm going to tell him all the bad things he's been doing to me. And oh, we're sharpening up. Not that you've ever done that, I know, but there are some people who do that. Think about and prepare to be a cutting and when you mean it, and when you get cut in your spirit, there's only one thing to do with that, and that's to close the wound. Like if you get a cut on your leg, you got to close it. It's called closure. Closure happens through forgiving them. I forgive those people. I let it go in Jesus' name. And you stitch it up, and then you put antiseptic powder on it, Bandage it. That means you need to surround it with antiseptic conditions. Do not hang out with septic believers. Hang out with antiseptic Christians. There are toxic believers. Most of them end up being nameless, faceless bloggers or something, you know. Hiding behind spineless creatures, hiding behind avatars without a name or without a face, for goodness sake. It's me practicing while I preach right now. Amen. <laughs> there comes a day when you run out of cheeks, though. 
Slap that one, slap that one. That's it. I got no more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Spineless. Uh, anyway, moving on. The cut spirit, it's got to be closed. Hang out in an antiseptic environment of worship. Glorifying God, let the Word of God get inside of you. It has healing, antiseptic powers, amen, so you won't get all festery. You hang out there and they, all that crowd go, it all festers up and you got this big wound, putrefying sore, has not been bound or soothed with ointment. Forgiveness is always part of healing. Matthew 9, 5, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or rise and walk, amen. Okay, the next one, I'm gonna go quickly through these last two and then I got a story to tell. The bruised spirit is when something suddenly hits you, boom, and you're bruised. And, and you know, like, you can touch me anywhere on here, like, and I'm good. But if, if I got a big bruise there, you touch me there, ah, oh, I'm sensitive, you know, it's like. And, and sometimes people are way oversensitive and you wonder why, because they're, they're carrying a bruise. And, and it's, I know it's tempting when, whenever I see a bruise on a person, I just want to sort of poke it. Uh, I know you're not like that, but it's funny. And you go like, Zah! and uh, here's the deal. Jesus took your bruises. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He took the worst of bruising. And you know, you will heal up over time. Just don't make any radical decisions to break relationships when you're in a bruised condition. You'll heal as time passes. The last one is the poison spirit. When people have just got a bad attitude. One of the saddest things in life is to watch good people become bad people. That's such a tragedy. I've seen good men and then they get a bad attitude through something that's happened to them and they become poisonous snakes. Breathing terrible things. You might say, well, that's a bit unkind. Read the Bible. You know where people like Lucifer once lived in heaven. It's now the devil bound for hell. I and mean, it's just because people were once good doesn't mean there's never that possibility. And one of the reasons I would share a word like this is to prevent that from ever happening in your life. That you never own a bitter spirit that you never become a cynical person, but you stay in the place of trust and you be a positive, whole, healthy person in life. That's what I would want for you. That's the only way your best life can happen. The poison spirit, Psalm 140 verse three, they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. I don't know if you ever got a letter like that. Sometimes you get a letter and you can feel like there's a spiritual poison in the thing. There's an attack or an email or, or any kind of communication. It's under their tongue. It's not on the top of the words. It's underneath. It's just a feeling that's trying to get you into an attitude that will poison you against the world around you. Hebrews 12, 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up causing trouble. And by this, many become defiled. It's amazing how easily spread Bitterness can be once people start to share it. Let healing come into your spirit today. Jesus is the greatest healer of our soul. One of the most graphic examples of him doing this is with his own, one of his chief disciples, Peter the Apostle. 
And Peter was a rough fisherman, but he had a real healthy self-image about himself. And when Jesus said, all of you are going to leave me, all of you will betray me, You'll all, none of you are going to stick around. Peter said this in Matthew 26, Peter declared, if everyone else deserts you, I won't. Jesus told him, the truth is that this very night before the cock crows at dawn, you will deny me three times. Peter said, look, all these guys, they might be going to leave you, but not good old Pete. I'm here all the way through. But once the pressure hit, once Jesus had been arrested and public opinion turned against him, and people said, you're one of his disciples. He denied it. He said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. The final time he was accused of being one of his disciples, he, he replied with swearing, bless no, I'm not. Trying to prove that no, he wasn't. Just when he'd done that, the cock was crowing. And he wept bitterly, the Bible says. He was so disappointed in himself. And that's one of the worst disappointments. When you have put for yourself great goals, great aspirations, and you've attempted great things. You said, I'm going to be able to do this. But then you don't. And you, and you collapse and you find yourself stumbling and you're feeling disappointed in yourself. Well, you know, Jesus, uh, when, when he was risen from the dead, one of the angels told the women and told the disciples, uh, told the women, go tell his disciples, Mark 16, verse 7, and Peter. As soon as Peter had made that stumble, he said to all the other disciples, I'm going back to fishing. He was going to go straight back to his old life because he felt like, I just can't do this. I'm not going to make it. So now Jesus is saying, go tell his disciples and tell Peter, singles him out, that he is going before you into Galilee. There he will see, you will see him as he said to you. So what happens is that Peter turns up. He decides to come. And Jesus says to him, singles him out in front of all the others. Because Peter had said, oh, if all these guys leave you, I won't. Now Jesus comes back right into this wounded spirit. He says, Peter, do you love me more than all these? He asks him. He says more than these guys. Peter's got his head down. He says, wow. Yeah, Lord, I do love you. He could remember that moment. But then Jesus asks him the same question again. Peter, do you love me? Three denials, three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And every, each time, Peter affirms that he loves Jesus. And that's all that Jesus was trying to get to come out of his mouth. That he loves him. Even though he's not the greatest superhero since Superman or whatever. Peter had disappointed himself and disappointed the friends that he had all around him and felt like a bit of a failure. But now Jesus is healing him. And within six weeks, that boy was standing up, winning 3,000 people to Christ. God had to go into his spirit and heal him because Jesus, it says, Isaiah says of Jesus, he will not break a bruised reed and he will not extinguish a smoking flax. When your fire's gone out, and you're just a smoldering little wick. Jesus doesn't come along and say, oh, no good to me, Psst, put it out. Oh, bruised reed, break that off. No, he says, I'll heal that bruised reed. I'll get you standing again. And this fire, I'm gonna breathe on you and you're gonna get fire again on the inside of your soul. You're gonna come alive again by the power of my spirit. You're gonna come awake and come alive. 
And so as Jesus spoke like Ezekiel did into a valley of dry bones, people came alive. They felt the spirit renewed. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.